Stories on Media. This is Coming Out Stories. It's a podcast about one of the most important conversations of your life. I'm Emma Goswell. You're now going to hear from Mark. He grew up in rural Wales and says that pre-internet it was pen pals that helped him discover his sexuality. But it was really appearing on TV's Stars in Their Eyes that led to him coming out on a big scale. I think I've always known since about the age of 12, 13, uh, you know, when you're in school and you're doing PE and what have you. I went through the motions, had a girlfriend, uh, just to fit in really. And then I didn't do anything about it at all until it was the year when, when I did Stars and Rise, which, when I was 20. So that was the February of 95. I met my first partner just by chance in Wales. I was living in, living in Wales, lived at my parents' house. So, so yeah, I had the feelings, but I'd never done anything about it, really. Is that because you were sort of in a rural community or you, you didn't feel like there was anyone to sort of, you know, approach or yeah. talk to about it with? Yeah, yeah, it was that exactly, um, exactly that. It was very white, middle-class little village, you know, one bus a day, the nearest town was, was Wrexham. So it was a case of, you know, having to buy gay times back in them days, you know, going, walking past Smith's about five times. And having pen pals, you know, that was the way you used to do it um, back then, didn't you? And this is the 1980s, I'm guessing. Uh, 1980s, early yeah. 90s, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're giving my age away here, Emma. <laughs> so sorry, darling. You're still younger than me, remember the hat. Um, but that's interesting then, isn't it? That I've not heard many people talk about this, but actually how the gay media, and particularly the print back in the day, was, was really important for, you know, discovering your sexuality and becoming part of that community. Yeah, definitely. It was, it was all we had back in the day then. You know, yeah, catalogues. <laughs> it was, it was the, the way forward, you know, of writing to people and trying to get in touch with other people who, who felt the same, you know. I didn't have any of that in Wales. And obviously I didn't want to speak to anyone about it in case, you know, you got outed and ridiculed. You always want to be part of the pack, don't you, when you're younger. So kept it in my head. Tell us about the pen pals then. This is interesting. Yeah, I got a pen pal one was in Manchester and there was an icebreakers group in Chester, which I thought I'd go to. I went to that when I was about 17. I went to one. wasn't really for me. And I think, again, I wasn't probably ready in my own head, you know, to unleash it onto the world. But, yeah, I made a lot of friends through the pen pals of things that I'm not even into, like football. You know, uh, they have a gay football sports network group. Oh, okay. Yeah. I used to write to uh, a, a now friend 20 years later still in yeah. Cardiff. So we're still friends now. And I've never been into football, but it's funny how things bring you together, isn't it? So what, being gay brought you together? Well, yeah. well, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. So tell us about what it was like then writing to someone in Manchester in what comparatively a, a big city. So what sort of things were you, you writing to this person about? It was just like day-to-day things, really, um, and about experiences, you know, and he says, if you ever want to go to a gay club, I'll take you. And obviously that's where I was fishing, edging towards that end of, of, of you know, going out and meeting somebody. But I didn't want it to be... You know, going down there, we meet one another and I didn't want to have to sleep with him, you know, to stay it is and all this business. So I was very, very um, sheltered, should we say, sexually, mm. even in my teens, really. So I didn't want anything like that to happen at all. So you never even went to Manchester, you never even went to a gay bar, or, I, you know, all through your teenage years? Uh, no, no, I went, I went to Cardiff when I was 19 yeah. with one of, one of the pen pal friends from the football group mm-hmm. and he put me up. Uh, nothing happened and I didn't want it to either. You know, from then on, you know, I knew it was where I wanted, but it was breaking away. Why, why was it so hard then to have that conversation with, with people in Wales, with your family, with your friends? 
because you don't know anyone else who's, who's, who's like you, really. You know, it's, it's always been part of my design, as I say, since 12, 13. It's always been there. I've known it had been different, but it's not really been a problem either. But also it must have been a problem looking back because, you know, you didn't want to unleash it to anyone because you didn't want to, you didn't know what you were going to be put up with, you know. But that's a hell of a secret to hold mm. for over, you know, eight years of your lo- yeah. formative years. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's when I think in 1995 when my, my sort of life began, when I came out, you know, those are the most fondest memories of my life is it was the 90s, you know, moving to Manchester and having a new life and, you know. OK, well, let's talk through your coming out uh, experience then because I think it's fair to say it's quite a unique one and there was a TV programme that was instrumental in you coming out. Yeah, yeah. Stars and Rise, what was it, the X Factor of the Day, they call it now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I was working uh, in a residential unit, pre-social work, coming onto my social work course. Did a bit of karaoke there, was into erasure, this girl said, you sound like him, so, you know, why don't you go for an audition? Wasn't that bothered, went for this audition. They asked me for a second audition, I started taking it more serious then, and yeah, got on the show. So you had, did you do the whole, tonight, Matthew? Go on, say the line, say it, say it, go on. <laughs> say it. I don't say that, Matthew says that. <laughs> I thought you were supposed to say, tonight, Matthew. Oh, that was yeah. funny, yeah, 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 yeah. I, Go on, do it, tonight, Matthew, I want yeah. to be... Tonight, Matthew, I'm going to be Andy Bell of Erasia. And that's what you said to the nation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. as I said, that was filmed in February, mm-hmm. and my parents came to that, my mum and dad, and just by chance... Uh, they said, will you come back and do a Christmas special? Mm. So why the set's all there, you know, they filmed that all together and these were to be aired in a Christmas of that year. So that kind of outed me to my dad. We say out to you, why? What did you sing? What, what, ma- what made it so obvious that about you portraying a very openly out camp gay man on TV that made them think you might be gay? <laughs> Well, well, I sort of thought, you know, it was portraying a character and you were acting mm. up. But even Matthew Kelly says, you know, there's obviously a lot of unwinding to do after your your jobs. So where the spangly outfit, the bleach blonde hair, I had a pink feather boa. And I think I did it a bit too well. Really. <laughs> <laughs> so it was quite a camp performance, Mark. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, so totally way out there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So that led to a conversation then, did it, with your dad? Yeah. While you were still at the TV studio or afterwards? or No, it was um, after the show because they asked me to come back and do another one. They liked what I did. And uh, he sat me down and he said, I don't think you should do this show. People are saying you're gay, you know. Oh, and your dad was saying that. Yeah, my dad, my dad. And I was like, uh, you know, because obviously I was at 19 then. I was strong enough, you know, mm-hmm. to have my own opinion. I said, no, I'm doing it. I want to do it. I enjoyed it. And that's what I'm doing. Yeah, because you want to be a performer, you want to be a singer, you yep. enjoy doing it. Yeah, it was a good way in then, in the 90s, you know, to get an agent and get a bit of work. There was no money in doing your own material. So, it was, you know, it was a great platform for me, you know. It really was. So I said, no way, I'm not doing it. And then he didn't come to the next recording. Ah. So my granddad came with my mum. Yeah, that's when it started to go all a bit weird. In terms of uh, mine and his relationship, and obviously I was seeing Mark at the time, my granddad, my my mum's dad, the one that came to the show, he was he, he, they're from London, you know, they're mm. quite cool and everything. But obviously I, I didn't want to tell them either. You know, it was one of those things where you just sort of think, well, they must know now, but nobody's talking about it. Go back to the conversation with your dad then. Yeah. So he said, don't do the show because people will think you're gay. Did yeah. he not actually ask you, Mark, are you gay? 
No, no, he no. didn't say the words. And, and you I didn't, didn't say the words. No, I didn't. No, and then do you remember Boys Magazine and the Pink Paper? Yes, I yeah, do. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They were all around the UK. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it was uh, around that sort of time as well. He found one of them boys' magazines, so I think he sort of confirmed it to him. Mm-hmm. But we didn't. We didn't talk about it. And then, as I say, after I did the second show, people must have been talking in work, you know, with him. And then he said, "If what I'm hearing is true, you know, I don't want that lad to come back here. You can live here, but I don't want that other lad ever around around the house again." Which was my then partner. And that's when it all went a bit weird. Me and my then partner, we went on holiday, I think, two weeks in the May to Ibiza. And then I said, like, look, I'm going to tell them, but I'm going to write a letter and do it that way, the cowardly way. The cowardly way, but also didn't know how he'd react or something, you know, because he's quite a man's man. So you don't know if you're going to get a whack or something. You know, it was quite acceptable to do that. You know, in the 70s, my dad always used to whack us. You know, we were up fine. Not, you know, not abused or anything like that, but it was seen as okay, wasn't it? So um wrote this letter to them. I said, uh, I'll come down, give you a couple of days to process it, come down and discuss it with you, see if I can still live there and where we're at. So did that, went down a couple of days later. There wasn't really much of a conversation. It was like a two-minute thing. Well, you can still live here, but I don't want that lad here. So it was all a bit weird. Finished the conversation with my mum. Luckily, my mum was very supportive. And then left again. So following two weeks after that, he wouldn't really look me in the eye, so I left. So to go back to the recordings then, your mum and your granddad were quite happy and so they didn't have that conversation with you at the time and no. go, oh, why are you being Andy Bell on TV? Are you gay? They didn't say any of that. They just supported you for your recording. Yeah, yeah. And, and I just thought I was just doing this character and doing something I wanted to do and there wouldn't be an issue about it. But obviously the gay thing was massively an issue mm-hmm. for for, for my dad and people, you know, saying, you know, here he is, maybe he's always, we've always suspected and this is how he's telling us, really. Yeah. And then how long after the performance was it that you then went to Beth and wrote this letter? Well, they recorded that in the February of 1995. You might wonder how I know all these dates. I actually went on Wikipedia and Googled them because they have all shows with your name. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the February. And then we recorded the... Uh, Christmas special a couple of months after so that would have been aired in the June Mm. so I worked it out I would have gone to Ibiza in the May Mm. Yeah, so Mm. it was all sort of pivotal around that really wasn't it? Yeah, yeah Mm. I did the Christmas special with Katie Lang and obviously she's a a lesbian, an out lesbian but she had a lot of support, the girl who was doing it, Deborah Meeks, off Katie Lang Ah. but I never had any Fandy Bell so I was like oh you know I feel like on my own again really You know, getting this rejection, doing this, and, oh. you know, no support. Come on, Andy. Have you not met him since? <laughs> oh, I've met him a couple of times since. Oh, yeah. I think he's a bit frightened of me. <laughs> Does he think stalker? Uh, no, not really, no. I just think he um, he said he doesn't want to be remembered as Liberace and I had this bower and all that business, so I think he oh. thinks he's more straight-laced than he actually is as yeah. well. Pre-Madonna. So. <laughs> <laughs> but was he quite instrumental to your coming out process, though? Because I certainly remember what it was like in the 80s. Yeah. And there was Andy Bell, there was Boy George, yeah. and there was Jimmy Somerville from the Communards. And it seemed like they were sort of a lone trio, weren't yeah. they? And they were yeah. out, proud gay men. Uh, very much so, very much so. Um, but it was actually a straight friend of mine in school that we grew up together mm-hmm. who took me to my uh, first Eurasia gig. We got a coach from Wales... They did coach trips then, didn't they? <laughs> and that was in Manchester, the Apollo. Um, so he introduced me to that, if you like. Yeah. 
It was when Abaresque was number one, so it would have been oh, 1991. Early 90s. So that's time, early 90s. Yeah. So he introduced me to them. So I was like, I love the music, I like everything about them, how outrageous he is, you know, proper in your face. So you lasted two weeks at home after telling your dad that, and your family that you were gay, but you were so like upset, I guess, about your dad's reaction that, that you walked out. And did you ever go and live at home again? No, I never went back and I thought once I go, that's it. I went to live in, in York for a year with my uh, then-boyfriend Mark's uh, nan. She put us up. She said, get a deposit for a flat and you can live here. And his parents were brilliant. His nan was great. Um, but it's very strange because my mum and dad have been together all our lives. We're quite lucky to have that. Mm. Grandparents together all our lives. So you think they'd have a bit more structure in supporting me, really. Mm. You know, but I think it was that issue of the bit, you know, the black sheep, just because of all those, that one little thing, you know, being gay. You know, it's... Um, can go yeah. funny, can it, with men especially, you know. So did your dad ever come round? Did he ever accept it? <laughs> we, we were actually talking about doing this um, when we were doing an Erasure gig at the weekend. Um, I was saying to the, the other guy who plays keyboards, I said, you know, I'm on about doing this interview. And he said, oh, yeah, but your dad's come round now, hasn't he? I said, yeah, but I needed that support then. I don't need it now, you know. Mm. Now I've got my degree, I've got my house, you know, and I'm a social worker and everyone's saying how well Mark's done. Oh, yeah, he has done well, but I wanted that then, not now, not knowing, you know, he, he asked for a list of who knew, you know, for the people down the pub, really. You know, so it was all about him, really, at the time. So I said to my friend, I said, well, actually, no, I said, I'm going to do it and say it, what happened, you know, and he said, well, if your dad is it and all that. I said, no, because he's all right now, you say he is, but he's not really, because at my 40th, five years ago, mm. he was coming to that, went through the motions, got ready, and then he was too ill. And then he didn't come. So I thought, he's still not really there. <laughs> Have so, you said this to him? Uh, no, because I don't care anymore. In a way that, you know, not that I don't care about him, I love him, he's my dad and everything, but I just think he's, that's just the way he is. He's quite selfish generally mm. anyway. But no, I'm a grown-up now, I'm an adult myself, so that's why I wouldn't say anything to him. Because mm. what's he going to achieve now? Well, and plus you've gone on, as you say, and there's 20 years of water under the bridge and yeah. you've gone on and forged a career and a life for yourself, you know, yeah. outside of Wales. And would you, say, would you say you're happy? Yeah, I'd say I'm happy and I go back once a month. So, you know, I do the right thing and go and see the folks once yeah. a month. But my life's here now, my friends are here. And when I left home at 95, I felt like that's when my life begun, mm. really. I'm so lucky, you know, that I've got the, the friends and the social network around me. If I didn't have that, then it might things might have been very different. But I took to it like a duck to water, came to Manchester Uni after from York with Mark, mm. and things just um, went from strength to strength, really. You found your own gay family? Yes, yes, my own gay family, yeah. yeah. Champion the gays, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for putting up with me. <laughs> but things were cool with your mum, though, I guess. When Did you actually have a conversation with your mum as well? Yeah, and I'm, I'm very lucky in the fact that um, my dad's lived in Wales all his life. He met my mum when she was 16. There's 10 years between, between between them two. So he took her to Wales because it was a good place to bring up kids. So my grandparents, my mum's mum and dad, moved mm. from, from London and moved over to be near them. So I was very lucky that um, I had my mum's side, really, because my, my granddad, you know, he was cool about the gay thing. He lived in London, for God's sakes. Mm. You know, and he is the only one including my mum, actually, who's actually said when um, my nan was dying of cancer, 
he was in the kitchen, he was remembering, he was sat on the worktop, and he said in front of my brother and everyone, he said, you're the only one, you know, who, who knows what this is like. I said, me, why me? He said, to have that on your shoulders, you know, and not tell anyone. Your nan could have told someone she'd had this breast cancer and she could have had a few more years, but she waited till the tumour ripped through and didn't tell anyone. So I thought, he's the only person to this day who said it out loud and, and publicly, you know, not been embarrassed about saying it about his grandson. So he's the only one who's ever done that for me. So he's equating the fact that you li- lived with a secret that yep. was sort of eating you up, really, for, yep. for a number of years with, a, yeah. with what his wife was going through. Yeah, yeah, yeah and he's, he's the only one ever, including my mother, actually. It's funny, isn't it, as gay people, we seem to have these, these big moments and then no one ever talks about it <laughs> for the rest of your life. <laughs> no. I know, I find it really sad, you know. Like you say, that's what bonds us as the gay family, really, because we've all got that that tale to tell. You know, no, no one's worse or better than than the other story. But I think it's it's funny how different people react. You know, and the people you expect to be supportive aren't always, and the ones you think are going to be shocked are fine about it. You know, my brothers. I've got three nephews. I just hope, and I, you know, that'd never happen again. Well, I know it wouldn't. I mean, we get on really well with my brother, my sister-in-law. But I think if you've got kids, I'd personally, I'd, I wouldn't do that to my own child, really. Mm. So it's crazy, isn't it? What was it like coming out to siblings then? Did you have to go through a process there? Uh, yeah, when we were going through that coming out thing with the, the Andy Bell thing and all that, I took my brother to one side and we were out in, uh, in a bar and I told him what I was going to do, that I was going to write to mum and dad and tell them and unleash it. And even he said to me, oh, you can't tell dad. So I just wanted somebody on my side before I unleashed it on him. So, yeah, I did tell... My brother was the first person I told, yeah. So, apart from saying, don't tell Dad, how did he react? Pretty blasé, which was good, you know. (laughs) You know, we can't tell Dad, you know, and all that, but but fine about it and fine with me. It's it's, it's not really an issue for your siblings, I don't think, is it? Because you're caught up in your own... Little world, I think, aren't you? Well, it can be. Everyone's yeah. everyone's got a different story, really, as I've discovered through doing this podcast. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I was lucky then in that respect that he was yeah. he's cool about it. And as I say, we've got he's got three kids now, and he's totally cool about it. In fact, he's <laughs> he actually says, you know, well, well, you know, one of them they don't stand a blimmin' chance for you. One of them is going to be a gayer. So <laughs> <laughs> hopefully he'll be fine with that. Yeah, but... <laughs> yeah, it, totally, totally they will. But my sister-in-law's really cool about the whole thing. So yeah. yeah. And you do find, don't you, as a gay person, that you don't just do it once. You, you end up doing it like almost continually, don't you? Really? Have you had any problems since coming out as an adult? No, nothing at all. People, no. people say, you know, I've been, I've been very, very lucky. No bullying, no Mickey taking. But I think again from school when I hid that, again, you know, like the gay family and that, I'm always part of the group, so I'm a big part of that group and, and I've got that, you know, behind me, so I, I don't get any, any shit, if you like, and even off my straight mates, some, sometimes it's it's banter. If anyone else called me a homo, they'd, you know, go mad, punch them in the face. <laughs> but they can call me homo, but it's fine because it's different relationships, isn't it? You have different yeah. people, yeah. Okay, so if you had any advice to impart to to other people at the beginning of their journey, what would you say? I'd say uh, do it sooner rather than later. Uh, be true to yourself. Don't waste those years, you know, of possibly, you know, meeting someone. Don't waste them. You're never getting them back again. Don't please other people. That's what I was doing, trying to please everyone, not upset the parents. Don't do it. Just be true to yourself. And if they do take it badly... They'll just get over it. Well, they'll have to. Mm. 
you know. It sounds like you regret not coming out at um, 18, really. Yeah, I do, yeah. And and I think if I didn't have such a fantastic time from when I, I did come out, you know, then maybe I'd feel differently. I don't know, but I think you've got to be ready in yourself, haven't you? Yeah. But yeah, I do. I, do. I miss those years, actually, because you're never going to get them back. I was going to say 16, and then I realised because of your age, it yeah. probably was illegal because it was a different age of consent for gay men, wasn't there? It was. It was um, yeah. 21. Oh, sorry, 21 yeah. it yeah. was, wasn't it? And then yeah. it went to 18, then it eventually became equal. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I know I'm going back to the Stars Rise thing, but met Matthew Kelly, who was obviously a gay man who'd been married and what have you. Mm. So it was another way in of doing that because he took us all to a, a gay nightclub in cruise. And, you know, I mean, you, he? yeah, he was, he was amazing. What a brilliant guy. I can't say enough nice things about him. Yeah. He was so, so supportive to everyone off screen, you know, and, and on, on screen. Amazing guy. So Matthew helped you be gay as well? <laughs> yeah, yeah, great guy. He, he was amazing. He, he, he said, with all the contestants, you know, he's, he's just brilliant. Great guy. I can't say enough good things about him, really. Very Aww. supportive bloke. So you could have gone through that window and gone, tonight, Matthew, <laughs> I'm going to be an out and proud gay man. <laughs> he knew he wasn't stupid. It was one of them I know you know things when he used to talk to me. He knew. Yeah. You know, he went daft without saying the words, yeah. Thank you so much for telling your story. And still performing as Erasure. I know, and not caring anymore what no. people think. It's great, <laughs> you know, it's a weight off my shoulders. <laughs> a big thanks to Mark Rodway for talking to us there, still singing and still pretending to be Andy Bell from Erasure. Please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. We'd also love to hear from you on Twitter. You can find us there at Come Out Stories. I'm Emma Goldswell. And Coming Out Stories is a What Goes On media production. Next time on Coming Out Stories, you'll hear from Assad. He grew up in a British-Pakistani Muslim household and says that he was so devout, he actually used to try and pray the gay away. In my mind, when I was finished with university, I would likely have an arranged marriage to a huh. woman. That's just part of the culture. Huh. And I was convinced that I was going to do that. I had readied myself for a life of being married to a woman.